Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are my journals out loud. And I believe today is Monday. I'm pretty sure it's February. I think it's the 19th. I know it's 2024. And that's the end of it. So as you saw from the title, I have this idea I wanted to talk about today. Are we getting more stupid or more afraid? But before we do that, I'd just like to say thank you for being here. If you're new, we're kind of filtering the world through our nervous system. My theory is that each of us have a default nervous system. I would say mine is danger, meaning I fight when I come into contact with something I don't want and I'm afraid of. I would rather push or fight against it. But sometimes we need to run away and sometimes we need to just stand still. And so there's no right or wrong. But as I've been talking about this process, how it relates to us individually, I've also been observing how it's happening to us collectively. And that's a little bit about what I wanted to talk about today. Because while I'm not a big fan, you know, sitting around screaming about the problem and not doing anything, being able to understand what's happening to others is extremely important in terms of how to navigate what's coming forward in the future. So before we do that, we're going to take a deep breath in through the nose, going to get all that old air out of our lungs, exhale, and let's begin. And one of the things I have zero patience for is everybody shaming and humiliating anybody that doesn't agree with them. So is that true? Are people getting more stupid so we can yell at them? Or are they getting more afraid? And I made in the last video a comment, which I thought, I don't remember if I've shared it here, and I don't remember if you guys watched those. Vi- I don't know if you guys watch the videos, but you know what we're seeing happen at the border with this massive number of people coming across and us just sitting around watching it, that is a collective freeze response. That's all of us being frozen up because we don't know what to do, but more because we're afraid to try and do anything because we are in, you know, a tyrannical situation where when you try to do something, bad things happen. And we're seeing that play out in our judicial system, the imprisonment of people who are trying to do the right thing, the release of people who are uh, free to go and commit acts of violence with blessings. And that becomes insane. And so we look at the people who are making these insane decisions and saying, are you stupid? But the real question is, is what are you afraid of? And All of that behavior stems from fear and insecurity. And one of the things that happens to us, and this happens in the dynamic within our home and the dynamic collectively, is that when insecure people get power and they are unchallenged, they tend to get, uh, have it not go in a good way. It becomes perverted. And that's why we need all types of people. We need pushback on insane behavior, and we need uh, restraint on people who are too much push. There's a dynamic that happens with all, all these energy flows. And so what, you know, what we're seeing in the judicial system with this insane decision-making 
uh, you know, no jury, no ability to speak, guilty uh, without any ability to prove your innocence, and then having the judges gleefully gloat about how special, and they're just sad. I'm just seeing that picture of that white guy. I don't know who he is, but just sad, frail, pathetic men who've never had power or women, you know, we're seeing the women be just as bad as the men. It's not a male-female thing. It's a weakness thing. And weakness responds to danger, usually by collapsing. But in their ability to amass some power, then they start to push boundaries and it starts to get more and more perverted. And when it's left unchecked, it descends into this insanity. And the people who would normally, the bully, right, the bully or the, you know, in a grade school situation, you know, the bully keeps the, the, oh, that's not a good example. But the point being is that through all of our experiences with each other, we kind of keep each other in check when society functions. When we stop keeping each other in check, everything disintegrates. And so, Right now, we're looking and saying, how can you not know? And how can you do these insane things? And how are we sitting here not doing anything about these insane things? Because if we do something, we're afraid bad things will happen. And we're all having our nervous systems activated because there's danger, but we don't know what to do about it because it's the kind of danger that requires us to act together. And that's the big problem is that until that uh, peak tide turns, which is unfortunately often turns to violence, there's something, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back, which is what we're all kind of collectively waiting for because we aren't able to communicate and come together and make changes in a, in a nonviolent way. And that's just historical. That just happens over and over and over again. And so, you know, this idea that, well, if somebody would come in and lead us to victory or if somebody would just organize, uh, you know, I've never ceased being fascinated with why evil can organize itself to no end. And, you know, people who are just wanting to live out their lives are completely unwilling to put their life aside and, the, and put the energy into keeping evil in check until it becomes a crisis point. You know, I've struggled for decades asking, why don't people care? And I watched uh, a documentary on Stalin and the famine, and it was really interesting. It was done six years ago, but it had uh, new footage, and it showed what happened under uh, Lenin and then Stalin and how the uh, what Stalin did to to uh, continue the propaganda against the farmers, and the farmers fought back. I mean, it was just a repeat of everything that's going on right now. And you know, when I asked myself that question, why don't people care? Is because we do care, but we just don't know what to do about it, and. It's not something that's ever going to get solved when we let it go too far. And it is, you know, as I was looking at all the farm, you know, he killed almost all the farmers because 
he created propaganda that said the farmers were bad because they were producing food. So the, the short version was, you know, Lenin created a famine. Uh, he's like, oh, this isn't working. So he gave farmers back 70% of their profit. Uh, and so then within two years, they had more abundance than they knew what to do with. Then Stalin took over and began the campaign against the farmers and, you know, to control and demonize the farmers. And the farmers, you know, were huge numbers of people and they rose up and they fought back and he had them executed. He had them sent off to the gulags. He even had them build the gulags in Siberia that they were all going to end up dying in. It was and, you know, the pictures are horrifying, the horrifying of the starvation and the famine. And, you know, the women are begging, please don't take all our men. And it was this horrible situation. And I'm looking at this going, why don't, you know, what is this? Why don't we care? And the farmers cared, but the people who were allowing themselves to be manipulated, that the farmers were evil for being financially successful, and if anybody's farmed, it's nothing's harder than farming and ranching, that it's that weakness that says, I'm afraid of being responsible, so I'm going to demonize uh, the other. And I realize this probably isn't making sense, but it, it makes sense in my mind. I'm trying to communicate it. But it was just really illustrative to see how easily we're manipulated and how there comes a point where fighting back doesn't work. And we're seeing that right now in Europe. You know, the farmers are going crazy and there's, they're pushing, pushing, pushing. But because we've had this mass migration and we've had this uh, infiltration into all of the systems of government, that it's not going to work because it's gotten past the point of uh, no return. The numbers are too great. And so, you know, I'm seeing these repeating patterns. And so the question is, do we care? Or are we stupid? Or is this just a collective fear response? Is this us individually learning about what we're afraid of and how to manage it? Because, you know, there's that that uh, pithy statement, everything's love or fear. And that's actually true, but it's very annoying, you know, when people throw that word at you. But, you know, our body is only operating between want and don't want. You know, don't want the sympathetic nervous system reacts, want, you know, the parasympathetic calms it down and you can accomplish. And so we are very simple in our energy, push, pull, pause, moving forward, moving back, left, right, or holding still, you know, and it's always consistent. There's always movement. It's what we're responding to that appears complex and, you know, when you look at history, you can see the same patterns repeat over and over and over again. Uh, you know, some people don't want to care and some people care and eventually it comes to a head and then everybody stops over, starts over. But what that really is, is it's people who are afraid and everybody's reacting to their fear in a different way. I'm powerless. I want the government to save me. My fear is... Uh, I can't take care of myself and I need the government to, who's promising me that they'll take care of me. Uh, and then you have the other side. I don't want the government. You know, I want to take care of myself and the great clash because of people's at the core, core, core. It's really not about why don't you care? It's about what can you tolerate in terms of what you're afraid to know?
And it's an oversimplification, but when you can start to see it in that context, it's really not a question of, I mean, well, let me change it. it at the core, it's not a question of being stupid. It's a question of being afraid. Now, the stupid part is important because we're also seeing something that's happening. And that's sort of what that image at the top of the podcast portrays is that, you know, we're being hypnotized. We're being bombarded with chemicals. We're being uh, lobotomized. We're being, you know, made more stupid even if we don't want to be stupid, which doesn't really have anything to do with just fear, quote unquote. When I had my thyroid crap out, uh, I just, I was, you know, my brain didn't work. I wasn't able to think. And I just kept saying, this is what stupid people feel like. And I really could understand why they didn't care is because they really I couldn't think. It wasn't that I couldn't, I didn't care about anything. There were literally no thoughts being generated. And so I wasn't worried about things because I wasn't capable of generating any thought. Now, there's an observation part of me that recognized that this is wrong, that, you know, I should be worried about the fact I'm not thinking. But I was aware that if I'd never had that experience and my norm, was being stupid. I mean, I have no thoughts. I have no ability to put ideas together. I have no capacity to really pull conclusions together in a uh, productive way. Then that's a whole separate issue. And so we are seeing this stupefaction of people by bombarding them with us all, I should say them, us, with, you know, electromagnetic frequencies and toxins and chemicals and noise and distraction and so many things that are just tearing our nervous system apart, but that are making us stupid. And I don't remember what the IQ point was. I want to say it's like 100 or 95 but if society doesn't have a minimum IQ point, you cannot maintain a free society. You, In order to have freedom, you have to have a certain level of intelligence. And it's our fear of that that allows these other processes to come in place that are making everybody stupid. And... When people are freeze people or weak people, they fear powerful people. And so they make decisions, consciously or not, to pull others down. This isn't everybody. I'm just talking about some of the dynamics that happen. Uh, and I saw that when I worked at McDonnell Douglas, which is a, you know, a, a manufacturing plant I was at in Long Beach where we made planes. And... Uh, I think I've shared this before. I shared the office with um, a guy, Michael Crichton, Doug Crichton's brother. And, and his job was to go into the meeting of the vice presidents and the president and write the notes. So he, we sh you know, he would come back in and he would, he was, he must have had like a 200 IQ. He was so, the whole family was hyper intellectual. I never, I don't usually feel dwarfed by other people's intelligence, but I felt like just a little 
retard next to this guy. He was so intense. He was so smart. But he would, uh, you know, we would talk about it. He would talk about what they say. And, you know, really, I became was able to understand that they were building a culture of mediocrity because they were not promoting people smarter than them. They were lifting up average or below. And over time, that creates a culture of mediocrity. And then people start getting stupid. And it's not even, and then it's the fear and the insecurity that keeps you from from saying, no, I want someone smarter than me to be, to take over because it does require a certain amount of intelligence to function in a complex world. But when we fear intelligence because it's a threat to our power or we feel dominated by and we're afraid of that, we create a culture of mediocrity. And uh, you know, one of the things I like about listening to Martin Armstrong is he's been in the financial field operating, you know, by meeting world leaders. And he's, you know, he's talked about how he's probably met more world leaders than anybody. Uh, and he manages the big money. I mean, this is who they call a country call. So he's not a lightweight. And he speaks to that same thing. He goes, I've never seen such a collection of stupid people in charge of the world. It's not that they, that they, uh, I mean, they, he's like, they really don't understand anything. They don't understand consequences. They don't understand finances. They don't understand economy. And, you know, you keep hearing all of this uh, talk about how orchestrated evil is. It's really full of stupid people that are uh, afraid and they get a little bit of power and it becomes this uh, thing that happens and it gets out of control when there's no in check. And, you know, one of the things that drives us, this is one of those primary drivers, uh, is if we are insecure, there's this need to feel special. And a lot of people want to feel special. They want to be special. And that's an ego push. And the ego is special in, you know, the world of hierarchy, the world of power, the world of control. And so what we're seeing play out in front of us doesn't happen overnight. There's no, you know, the whole idea that, oh, when we let women get out of the house, everything fell apart drives me crazy because the systems that we're witnessing, it's a cycle. It doesn't matter who's in charge. It's an energy system. It's a fear, uh, insecurity problem. It's a weakness problem. It's not a man or woman problem. And, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about, which I had never thought about before, is, you know, ma the masculine likes hierarchy and the woman, the feminine likes consensus. And, you know, one of the reasons it's really hard for women to talk to men is that you're in the energy of hierarchy. Like one of the reasons I'm tired of talking to men is that the whole time we're talking, I can feel this need to be, uh, you know, messing with the energy, trying to be smarter about certain things. It's exhausting. So I just don't like talking to men most of the time because it's exhausting because there's this energy that's an undercurrent that I don't think most people are aware of. But, 
you know, when I was looking at our government system, I thought, boy, the founding fathers really tried to marry these two feminine masculine principles of hierarchy and consensus. And you have to have both in order for large systems to work. And we're so busy, you know, and that's where we get stupid. We're so busy being afraid of what we're not comfortable with. So if we like consensus, we fear hierarchy. If we like hierarchy, we fear consensus. And then we label it boy and girl. When it's not, you know, when the when the house is on fire, you need hierarchy. You need someone that's managing it, and you need people to listen and follow orders and not ask questions. I remember uh, talking to a fire department captain, and he said, you know, when they go through the hiring process, who they pick, because there's obviously, you know, so many people wanted to be firemen. I don't know about now, but always because it's really good benefits and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, but he said they have to be really careful that they don't hire more than 30% of, of people, mostly men, that are leaders. Because if they have too many leaders and not enough followers, then no, nothing gets done. You have anarchy. You've got a bunch of people arguing about where they are in the power structure and the job doesn't get done. And it's very intentional that they have to weed out a certain percentage of leaders. And I can see how if you're a strong, competent person and you're not getting the job and you're seeing this dumb person in your mind getting the job, how irritating that is. But there's a reason for that. You cannot have a group of leaders be successful in a situation that requires hierarchy. And you, so you just can't. You can't have 10 people shouting orders and nobody, you know, going to get the buckets of water. And at the same time, we also need consensus. And, you know, the beauty of the system that they tried to implement was for immediate issues, we're at war, you have the executive, you need hierarchy. Because you have seconds, right, especially in today's world, you don't have time to get everybody from the far reaches of the country and talk about things and agree. You know, you have a crisis and you need somebody to act in a leadership role and it needs to be hierarchical. And you need that same person to keep the other systems in check. And so when you look at the the Congress and the judicial, they both have consensus at their core, right? Nine judges of equal weight and power, but the judicial system itself has hierarchy. So you have consensus, which is the feminine principle, and you have hierarchy, which is the masculine principle, as a way to keep everybody in check. It's the same thing with the Senate and the Congress uh, or the House. You have consensus. You have a group of people who are theoretically of equal standing. And then you have some level of hierarchy with uh, committees and different roles to organize all that. The breakdown of the consensus within, you know, politics is it becomes hierarchical because the individual is more interested in their personal power. And that is always insecurity and insecurity is always bred from fear. And this idea that somehow we're going to create a system that's going to solve all these problems is never going to happen. Because at the end of the day, it is each of us having this own dynamic of our fear 
our our own uh, responses to fear, our own insecurities, you know, whether we need to be special or we want to be invisible or we just want to not care, all of that filters under the fear side. Because what does love do? Love doesn't want to hurt. Love wants people to be in agreement. Love wants connection. And we don't have that because we are a fear-death-based culture. And that's where our value system erupts out or builds out of. And these are like the abstractions that, you know, again, who wants to sit around and think about this stuff? But it's fascinating to me how we're moving forward with this slow awakening to the danger that we're in and how everybody's been at a different part. That's that wave. It's that, you know, the people on the leading edge are dead. They were warning about this, all this stuff decades and decades ago. Then you have the second group screaming and yelling. And now you have a lot of people screaming and yelling. And we're still haven't peaked because we're still, you know, the rising up that peak of screaming and yelling because we're not really doing anything about it. We're just watching and screaming and yelling uh, because we're afraid. We're afraid it's true. We're afraid we don't want to deal with it. And some people, that looks like they're stupid. And then we have this other thing happening where people are getting more stupid, which is new. We didn't usually, we didn't ever have that. That's a new wrinkle into the world and in our historical uh, processes. You know, people were controlled through money and food. Uh, Now we're being controlled through, you know, mind altering issues with, you know, television and frequencies and cell phones and things like that. So there's always been an attempt to control the the masses and keep them stupid uh, because we are a colony. You know, the earth is a colony. It's not a uh, an empire. Those That's our history. But we don't talk about that because we don't want to think about that. And, you know, America was a experiment. Uh, you know, certain Native American cultures had Uh, different structures, you know, and one of them was they had the war council were the men and the peace council were the women. And so the men would go want war, but they turned to the women for consensus before there was an agreement that there would be fighting. So we've had lots and lots and lots of different versions of how we do things. But when you boil it all down at the end of the day, it looks like everybody is really stupid. You know, we call them sheep. We call, we humiliate, we shame, we do all these things. Most of that stems from fear. And fear is our nervous system screaming at us, whether it's our gut, uh, whether it's our sympathetic, whether it's our heart nervous system, who knows how many more we have in our body, screaming at us, you know, danger, 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 And how we respond to that is my theory, is we have a default response, whether it happens because we were traumatized, uh, whether our grandparents were traumatized and we've got leftover wiring from them. Uh, You know, why it's like that, I think, is less important than just understanding who we are and how we want to manage that. And also, 
giving us the option to look around and understand why others are responding the way that they are responding. You know, some people are still super shut down and in terror and don't want to know anything. And and there's just this permission to shame and humiliate anybody that doesn't agree with you. That is a fear response. That is insecurity. The need to make somebody else wrong so you can feel right, that is fear. That is insecurity. That is an ego response. And what's important about all of this is it's that we're not going to be able to control the outcome. So this fantasy that there's some system we can put into place. You know, men can be in charge. Women can be in charge. This group can be in charge. That group can be in charge. The government will save us. You know, this inability to see the government's killing us. All of that is our core fear you know, manifesting into a thousand complexities that we think we're having conversations about. But when you boil it down, boil it down, boil it down, boil it down, it's very, very simple. What am I afraid of? Am I afraid of dying? Am I afraid of not having enough to eat? Am I afraid that that person is more special than me? Uh, And most of us are filtering through this comfort zone of hierarchy versus consensus. Uh, That's why I think there's such a clash in terms of how men and women want to do things is because we have a core system within us. We like consensus or we like hierarchy. And this inability to see value in the other person's way of being in the world is a fear response. It's an insecure response. It's, It's if I and part of consensus, that that means I'm not powerful. And if I'm not powerful, that means I'm weak. So I need to crush that thing that is weaker than me so that I can be secure in my own uh, belief system. And most of that is happening very unconsciously. Uh, You know, when there's little kids, when you have, you know, a bunch of kids in the family, you see the hierarchy structure develop. You know, in high school, we have all those uh, class clicks the hierarchy structure you know who's the the who's the popular people who are the nerdy people i mean all of this is just playing out over and over and over again to help us understand what we are afraid of and when we can filter it through that lens we can probably maybe hopefully stop shaming people that we don't understand. Almost everything that we do in our world is filtered through our fear response. Very little that we do is filtered through our love response. And because if you only filter through love, then you don't have the strength to... Uh, And when I mean strength, you don't have that pushback to keep everything in check. That's when people are too nice. You know, they just give everything away. You know, they don't have that boundary that says, no, uh, you cannot keep your door open for everybody. I mean, that's where we're seeing this naivete who, you know, you grew up in a home where everything was safe, happy and comfortable. You know, your belief system extends to this idea. Well, that's how everybody is. You know, that's not true. We know that's not true. And we're throwing open our front door with an open heart 
because we don't have our fear engaging. We don't trust or we don't know how to work our nervous system in such a way to recognize that there's danger. And, you know, and the reason I'm beating all these drums is because, you know, coming to this idea of thinking that something, some person, some system, some event, there's going to be some outcome in which all these issues are resolved and I can just go back to my life and be normal isn't going to happen in the rest of our personal lifetimes. So we have this tremendous opportunity to make huge steps in our own personal growth and personal awareness if we choose to do that because we're seeing things play out. You know, we're witnessing history and it there's you know these are the moments where you can learn so much to advance yourself emotionally and spiritually if that's something that you value and it may or may not be and that's not right or wrong that means we've all come here to have different experiences but when you know you can break these things down very very simply and we can look at someone and say you know they're not being you know they're being stupid either because you know, they've been, you know, they don't have a high enough IQ or, you know, they're so heavily medicated or, you know, they've been so frequency screwed up, they can't think. Shaming them only puts them into the fear response and makes them retaliate. So it's so important, you know, the old golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Uh, you don't want anybody shaming and humiliating you on your journey to understanding anything about yourself or others. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to pop out of the womb evolved in these high functioning creatures, right? We have an evolution to understanding about the world, what's going on around us. The problem is, is we've abandoned, uh, and that to me is hierarchy, the development of who we are personally within our human body and our experience out in the world is a hierarchical state. It's, you know, the more we learn, the smarter we are about how much we don't know. But, you know, we've put little kids in charge and, you know, the older people are just sitting back saying, well, I don't care. You guys are stupid because all of us, myself included, who are older, we've abandoned being integrated into the process of making sure that we kept powers in check and now things are out of control, right? We just handed every child a cell phone. We turned on the television. We didn't think because we didn't want to because it was so much harder and it takes so much energy. And, and now because change and technology has moved so quickly and now we feel stupid because we can't keep up with the old. The new technology is so much more progressed beyond, you know, what older people can process. You know, we have this great big mess. But, you know, at the end of this, what I really want to have us all take away, just for a moment, if we can do that, is that shaming people because we think they're stupid isn't helpful. All it does is it reactivates the nervous system to be afraid. And... And when we don't want to know something, because there's something we don't want, which is usually we don't want to be responsible, then we become fearful. And so we push against what we don't want. We run away from what we don't want, or we collapse in the face of what we don't want. 
And without being able to find a way to come together and talk about it, and we're never going to do that at the big level. It has to start within your own mind and your own family and your own community. But that just goes back to my point. It's fascinating to me how evil can or is so organized. I mean, they go to meetings, they put all their money, they write reports, they and they argue. It's not like it's a big happy uh, thing, but they put all this energy into their hierarchy of power over others. And all the people who don't want to have anyone power having power over you are out busy doing something else because we can't agree and come together and put our efforts into working together to make sure that doesn't happen. And so this pattern repeats over and over and over again. Uh, and there is no magic system. Like I said, as I'm listening to these, I just finished listening to the Inca, just breathtakingly different from our culture. I mean, they didn't even have the wheel. I mean, their their communication system, their uh, physical, they didn't have le- they didn't have writing. Uh, they still can't figure out how they communicated with each other. It was some kind of knots and threads and cloth, but. You know, there's just, there's a lot of ways to be in the world, but nothing ever changes these core issues of power and fear and the fear response and love and hierarchy and and consensus. I mean, it's these simple principles, push, pull, pause, that just are repeated in a thousand times a thousand variations. And the value of being able to step back and see the pattern as opposed to what the the actual thing is, is the only point from which true change will occur. So as long as people are running around and they're so focused on being right about something, that is insecurity. That is fear. That is saying, you know, I am afraid if I'm not right then something bad is going to happen to me. Or, you know, I'm, I won't feel powerful in my own hierarchy of, of comfort if I am not right about everything. And that comes from a closed mind. That comes from a fear response, uh, which is very different. You know, like when the house is on fire, there's not a lot. It's not thoughtful. It's more of an instinct. And hierarchy is perfect in that situation. So, it's it's just these simple energy patterns over and over and over again. You know, whether it's just you, like when I was trying to grow food, you know, it was just me, nature, and the seeds, and I lost every single time. Or if it's Stalin, you know, persecuting the farmers, you know, it's the same th- small, tiny principles repeating itself. And, you know, I can blame everybody and I can demonize the rats that kept eating my food or the cows that kept knocking my crap over, uh, right? I can blame everyone and everything, just like the the non-farmer people were blaming the farmer people for all their problems. Or I can step back and say, okay, well, I have to eat. How am I going to grow food? And that's what we don't do. We don't step back and say, okay, pointing fingers and blaming pointing fingers and shaming, 
uh, pointing fingers and making the other wrong. That doesn't accomplish, it doesn't solve the problem. It just makes me feel right and special. And that comes from insecurity and fear. That comes from our uh, unwillingness to own what's going on inside of us. Doesn't mean that awareness is going to change anything, but, but it allows you to understand what's happening around you. Uh, it also allows you to get out the way when you start to see those things happen. And that's, you know, what you've heard me talk about. I see the quote unquote left and right. They're just two sides of the same problem. You know, we're right and you're wrong. That comes from insecurity. Uh, and it also comes, you know, a little bit of stupidity. And the insecure are awesome leaders for the stupid. You know, you don't have the intelligence to really think about things properly or you can't do critical thinking. You are easily swayed and led through your fears. And that's what hierarchical power does in order to feel special at the top. I'm safe if I'm special and I'm at the top of the hierarchy. And that I'm safe by having uh, all the power is just a fear response. So I know this was kind of windy and stuff, but I really, you know, I just, uh, it's fascinating to me to observe what we're all going through you know, it doesn't mean we have answers, right? So, you know, when the border is open and people are pouring across, you know, the experts, and I would consider, you know, someone like Michael Yon an expert, you know, he spent his whole life since he's, you know, 18, he's been involved in warfare and he's dedicated his entire life to understanding it, you know, and he'll make statements that infuriate me about women, but that doesn't mean he's not right about all these other things. And, you know, he says, and I totally agree with them, you know, we are past the point of no return. There are too many people in our country that are here for us to ever go back to the world as we know it and knew it that we're moving forward into something that we don't understand. How that plays out, I think, is still up for grabs. I think there's a lot of fluid to this situation. And, you know, the people screaming and yelling are doing it from their place of fear. Uh, the people who are doing it from what they think is the place of love, oh, we just should let everybody in. You know, we're, we're as long as we're in a response that is not... Uh, us able to step back and observe without fear involved in it, you know, it's not going to change. And it's not going to change because most people don't have any self-awareness about these principles. Even, you know, all these high IQ people are often wildly out of touch with their own emotional state. So they're intellectualizing and they might sound smart, but they have no self-awareness about their own fear and insecurities. And they're, you know, making decisions for us. So it's complex when you start to put a lot of people and places into the picture. But the dynamic is no different than what happened in your own home. And in that video, you know, I talked about the most dangerous place for women and children is inside their own home. You know, we're not even willing to look at that. You know, we're, we're being surrounded by people telling how fabulous the nuclear family is led by a patriarchal uh, culture when 
throughout history, at least, you know, the last five or 6,000 years, that has been horrible for women and children. But at the same time, you know, how in my lifetime, you know, from my generations to what, you know, my daughter or granddaughter, the way that those girls are acting is horrifying. They have no awareness of their history as women. You know, they're entitled and obnoxious. And so, you know, we're so busy pointing fingers. We don't want to step back and ask real questions that require us to take, you know, ownership of what's going on with ourselves. Like what went on in your home and how are you making decisions out in the world uh, related to that? And all of that gets transferred into politics and into war. Almost every great quote unquote political leader, uh, Teddy Roosevelt is my favorite to pick out on this. His father was a pacifist because his mother didn't want him to fight and Teddy had such an issue with his father being a pacifist. He pretty much dedicated his life to killing things. He had thousands of dead bugs and insects and things. Then he went to in Africa at safari. He killed his safari in I think it was 7 months or 9 months killed 11,000 animals on safari. He's, you know, touted as this super he-man guy. All he did was kill things. He started several wars. He was desperate to be involved uh, in war. And he started, I think it's the Rough Riders, and he did the false flag thing, and he got the war going. And, you know, and it wasn't that he didn't do any good things, but Teddy Roosevelt, I'm pretty sure it was a psychopath. He was constantly killing things. And yet he is exemplified as this awesome leader and such a manly man. But when you study his history, his core issue was that he was enraged with his father for not fighting in his war and being a pacifist. And this is a young boy that grows up and just is on a massive killing spree almost his entire life. But we hold him up as this great uh, paragon of virtue. And it, and you know, and he, he started, you know, some of the conservation, blah, blah, blah. But, but, uh, you know, he was also the spark for the people who were horrified by what he did in Africa for their conservation. Like we cannot have these rich people come over and slaughter all of our wild animals so they can feel like men. So they can trophy hunt. I mean, 11,000 animals in, seven or nine months. That is horrifying. But we don't talk about that. That is insecurity. That is fear. That is weakness. That is not a man of strength. You know, a man of strength only kills because he needs to eat or he's defending his territory. He's not out killing things so he can feel good about himself as a man. I mean, so we have a long way to go to understanding what these issues are. But, uh, I just wanted to, you know, step back and kind of break that down is like, are we getting more stupid? Absolutely. But most of that stupidity is really stemmed from fear. You know, like I said, that experience without my thyroid functioning helped me understand what stupid was. And it wasn't because I was, I mean, I was afraid that I couldn't think, but I had something to compare it to, right? I had the experience of being able to critically think, and then having that taken away from me, 
And it was so weird, but I could see, you know, I didn't care about anything and I would have been very easily manipulated. So we have, you know, two real core issues. You know, we're making people more stupid, but often what we call stupid is really just us being afraid. It's being us fearful. It's being insecure and responding with, you know, push, pull, pull, pause, right? We're running, we're freezing up, or we're fighting and killing, pushing into others. Like, I need to kill you so I can feel good about myself. I need to kill you so I can feel safe. Uh, it should be the exception, not the rule. Not because I need to feel good about myself. I'm going to kill you. So we have a long way to go and we're not going to solve this problem because if anything, you know, history shows us we just keep repeating it. But at least if you're here still listening and you get this, at least you can understand and we can all take a breath and a step back and start asking ourselves the simple question within our own personal life in our own home. Am I responding from the side of me that's afraid? Uh, is this just a default nervous system response that I need to rethink and maybe try to do something a little differently? Or especially with people around you, are they really just unable to critically think? Are they unable to understand? Uh, and in all those cases, there's never a need to be shaming or humiliating of the other because that only results in revenge of the nerds, which is kind of where we're at right now with the nerds in charge. You can see how well that's going. So, all right, deep breath, my friends. I hope everybody is having a awesome Monday, a first week, and I will see you next time.